Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll. Please turn to Exodus chapter 15 and let's join in now. Super excited to give this message to you today. It's a standalone message entitled, Never Stop Taking Your Next Steps, because we want to be a group of people who are continually um, morphing into the image of Jesus Christ. And so you see, you see it every Sunday. We walk out and we have a Next Steps Center. You see we have a Next Steps card. But that's not good enough to have all that stuff. We have to have people who are taking their next steps in Jesus Christ. And today, I hope it will encourage you and challenge you to continue walking forward in your walk with God. Now, this is uh, a message that I'm excited to teach to you, and this passage I'm excited to give to you, because uh, there are two reasons why I wanna, I'm excited. Number one, I'm excited because this would be in my top 10 all-time passages of Scripture uh, for me personally in the entire Bible. I love Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 through 26. And part of the reason why is um, a lot, everybody knows about the Red Sea, but very few people know about what happened right after the parting of the Red Sea. Israel g- cuts through the Red Sea, right? And, and then Egypt comes in after they get washed away in it. And everybody's like, "Woo, yeah, God parted the sea. And, and we know all about that. But right after, life got real for them. And so this passage is very dear to my heart. And here's the second reason why I'm excited to give this message to you today. Um, it's one thing to know about the things of the Lord. It's one thing to um, get filled with head knowledge. It's, no, it's one thing to come to church and, and check off a box and say, I attended, I did it. But it's a whole other thing to apply Scripture to your life and to actually do the Scripture. Isn't it? That's a little tougher, isn't it, when you think about that? It, it's tough to apply it, and we need to be people who apply it instead of people who do things like this. Uh, that famous scripture in Philippians, right? It says, I can do all things through Christ. If you know it, say it with me. Who strengthens me, right? And we get jazzed up about that scripture uh, when our kid is at a baseball game. And, you know, we're thinking, I could do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Hit the home run. Hit the home run. When where there's a business deal that's about to close and we're about to make a lot of money, and, but yet there are a few challenges. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? I, I could do it. God, give me the strength for this. Um, when, we have to, um, when we have to buy a new house and we're not sure how the money is going to come through for the house, we're going, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, you're going to do this. I know it. But when it comes to the harder parts of life, like, God, help me forgive someone who has wounded me deeply, well, we don't, we don't come up with that scripture, do we? Uh, when it comes to the place where maybe our attitude toward people is, is so damaged and hurt, we don't go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to have joy in this difficult circumstance. We tend not to quote that. And I believe that taking our next steps in following Christ is a lot about trusting the Lord for the difficult places, letting him work and move and do what only he could do, and then moving forward in our walk with God, right? Uh, making progress. We can't be perfect, but we can make progress in our walk with God. But unfortunately, the definition of progress for most Christians is moving slowly backwards, right? Uh, back to where who you were, uh, right up to about the day of salvation. And you're going, I made progress, glory to God, right? Uh, but that's not what we're after. We want to never stop 
taking our next steps. That's the kind of church we are. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll visit the Scripture today. God, I'm grateful that when I look in the Scripture, um, you have been challenging people to move forward in their walk with you, to take steps that they didn't understand, steps that were difficult um, from cover to cover in the Bible. And Lord, I, I know that that's not just in a book, but God, you're expecting the same thing out of our lives, but we confess to you that it's difficult, it's hard, it's heart-crushing sometimes. Uh, Lord, it, it seems undoable even, but God, I thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so we give you this time, in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, are you glad you're here? I'm, I'm glad you're here too. And so... Uh, Exodus 15, verse 22. We pick it up, like I mentioned earlier, Israel goes through the Red Sea. God parts the sea, right? Horse and rider thrown into the sea. What do they stop and do when they get to the other side? They write a worship song. They sing it. Be glad that we don't write worship songs quite like they wrote worship songs back then. Um, You know how in our modern worship era, even in hymnals, uh, there's a chorus, a refrain, there's a hook, right? And it's kind of like everybody kind of tries to mumble and understand the words during the verse, and then the chorus hits, and everybody's like, glory to God, I love this song, this is incredible, right? And you just kind of come all in at the chorus. Well, they wrote a big song, and there was no chorus. They just sang a big diatribe about what God had done start to finish from Egypt until uh, they crossed the, the uh, sea there. And so they sing this song, and everything is fantastic, They're on an emotional high. Everything is wonderful. Wow. I mean, can you put yourself there? Could you imagine if you had just walked through uh, the the Atlantic Ocean, a portion of the Atlantic Ocean, and God split it open, and you walked through the other side dry? I mean, think about that for a second. Let it it come through, or the Pacific Ocean. Uh, You know, you walk through a portion of it, and you're dry, and then when when you get done, whoosh, it closes back in you would be on an incredible high saying, I can't believe what God had just done in my life. That is unbelievable. That's where the nation of Israel was when we pick up the scripture. But here's what happens. Verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Now, think about this for a second. They're on an emotional high. They start walking. Three days, they start walking. They're in a desert. They can't find any water. You know, many scientists say that the longest the human body can go without water, the very, very maximum is how many days? Guess it, three days. Wow, what a change in just three short days that are occurring. And so they come to the waters of Mara, and if you think about this for a second, they're thirsty, their throat is dry, kind of like how my throat gets dry after preaching two services, right, in second service, and I need water. Their throat is is just wilting away, and they see these waters at Mara, and I can imagine a nation of over a million people just rushing for them, thinking, oh, yeah, this is awesome, and they take a drink, and it's bitter. It's different. That's what's going on. 
And verse 24 says this, And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who, say these last two words, who do what? Heals you. The Lord heals you. And so there are a few principles we learn in the context of taking our next steps. Here's the first one. Make sure to turn the back of your program uh, over, write it down. It's been said that uh, sometimes if you'll take the time to write it on paper, God can take the time over the week to write it on your heart. And so here's your first blank. An indirect route demands dependence on the power of God. An indirect route demands dependence on the power of God. Now, if you think about this, Israel left Egypt for one purpose. They were promised the land of Canaan, the promised land, right? They didn't leave just to go take a stroll. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't just want to go for a little walk out in the desert and then go back. No, they were going somewhere. But here is what happened. Everybody check this map out. I put it up on Facebook uh, for those of you who saw it. This is from my Bible. It's not the best graphic in the world, but I wanted you to see it from my Bible. It's one of the ones I study from. I've had this Bible since I was 18, and it helps me uh, learn the Greek and the Hebrew and, and the original languages, uh, and it has cool maps in it, and so I keep it. But uh, does everybody see the red line? Uh, shake your head if you see red line. Yeah, there's a red line there. Now, they were leaving Egypt to go up to Canaan at the top right there of the picture. But yet the red line that you see is the route they had to take to go to Canaan. Now, if I'm one of the people at the front of the pack and I'm within earshot of old Mo, right, of Moses, and we're leaving Egypt and I see, start to see Moses turn right or go down the map, I'm stopping and I'm shouting, wait a second, that is the wrong direction. This is not where God is taking us. And this happens in our next steps in following Jesus an awful lot where uh, we come to Christ or, hey, we even join a, a new church or a new church to us and we, we are, we're on this high like, like Israel was and all of a sudden stuff starts to happen in our life and we thought, gee, when I came to Christ, I thought that it would just be a quick A to B, boom, I'm a different person, I never have to look back, and uh, I just thought it would be a little more simple than this. But many times, God takes us through an indirect route, much like he took the nation of Israel, through an indirect route um, to the place he wants you to go. Now, the idea of taking your next steps in following Jesus is you want to live in the promised land of him conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ. Here, they wanted to go to the actual physical promised land, the, the, the chunk of territory that God had promised that they would have. And so um, these indirect routes, they demand dependence on the power of God. And uh, here's one thing I want you to know about Moses. Moses was not like you and I. 
we get frustrated when things don't turn out like we hoped or planned. Is there anybody like that who lives in frustration when it doesn't turn out how you hope? Especially, for some reason, this is especially true of spiritual things. When we make an effort towards spiritual things and life still doesn't turn out how we hoped, we went, we start and think, why am I doing this? But Moses didn't have this problem. Moses didn't mind going down the Sinai Peninsula. He didn't mind the indirect route because Moses had already been through an indirect route himself. In fact, God sent him away from his people for 40 years, right? In the land of Midian. He had already gone way out of the way. And so when it came time for him to lead a nation, when they had to make that turn to go down the map instead of up the map, I'm sure Moses was saying, you know what? This is going to be painful. This is going to hurt. This is going to be tough. But here's what I know. God's going to make a whole nation different at the end of this than what we would have been had we been able to take the direct route. He knew. He knew God by experience. And he trusted God even when it didn't make sense. And, and here's one of the things that God is trying to tell us when our life takes a turn that, that kind of puts attention on our walk with God and we stop moving forward with him. God is often trying to tell you about who he is, right? And we live in such a me-oriented world that we're thinking, well, God is trying to work on my character. Hey, I want to tell you that's like step two. Is God trying to work on our character? Shake your head. Yes, he is. He's going to do it. But you know what God wants before he works on our character? He wants us to know his character, do you get that? Do you get the difference? That's where it's at. And, and indirect routes can be frustrating. I know this. Amy knows this by experience. Uh, many of you already know and have heard that four years ago, and by the way, we've been in Montana four years now. How about that, right? Uh, we moved. Uh, yeah, you can applaud more than that. No, I'm just joking. We've been in here four years. Uh, we moved from South Florida to Montana, and God has done incredible things. But can I tell you about the moment that I almost turned back around? I really did. I almost turned back. And it's kind of funny moment, actually. It's not, it was stupid. It, it was just something that, it was an indirect route for me. Um, we decided that Amy would fly with two of the kids and I would drive the truck with two kids. Now, if we ever have to do anything like that again in our entire life, I'm going to fly and she's going to r- drive the truck. But, <clears throat> but I had Aiden, who was our oldest. He was, he was about nine years old and Dax was about three. And, uh, and Dax is number three out of our four boys. And so off we go in the truck. And I'm not going to name the company because you might never use them again if I do it. And I don't want to do that to the company. But off we go in the truck. And it didn't take but just a few short minutes to figure out that the truck I got, glory to God, had a governor on it at 55 miles an hour. And I'm looking at 2,400 miles in front of me. And I'm thinking, how is this going to work? My trip just like quadrupled, or at least it felt like that, right? And, and you see all these cars. It felt like every car in the world was driving by. Hey, and there I am there with two small kids in the car going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Well, once that calmed down and I came to, I came to terms that that's how it was going to be, um, we're driving along. The first eight, ten hours, it was pretty good, actually. It was a fun trip. But then we passed Chattanooga, Tennessee, and... It was like the wrath of God just came on me for about two days solid. And I'm driving up these mountain ranges and down, and all of a sudden, the, 
the truck that was going to be governed at 55 miles an hour could no longer do that. It could only go 35 miles an hour. Uh, and then I go up and down a few more hills, and next thing you know, I'm down to 10 or 15 miles an hour, and I'm thinking, you know, I see cars like honking at me, people doing, making not so nice gestures at me. I don't think it was I love you. I think it was something else. And, and I'm thinking, God, have you brought me this far to die? Is that what you wanted me to do? You wanted to kill this side of the family because Amy's the awesome one, and I'm the one that deserves to die. And, and so I'm there, and then it gives out. So I ride the momentum of a hill down. I come up to the exit, and I have just enough momentum to carry me into the gas station, and there I go. I get on the phone. I call the company, and the company says, well, we're not going to be able to send a truck until tomorrow or have anyone come to fix it. And I said, tomorrow? I'm like, I I was only about an hour away from the largest city. And they said, yeah, we're sorry. Uh, It's just going to take. And so I kind of got a little ungodly, and I don't think that helped my cause. I know some of you that might be a shock that your pastor came unglued right there. But he did. Uh, And and so I find myself with my two young boys headed to a brand-new state that I'd only visited a handful of times. I find myself in this hotel in the middle of nowhere, little rinky-dink town I'd never been to in my life. And when I started asking about this town, um, they informed me that it is where they believe the KKK started in this country, all right? So I'm thinking, I'm broke down, I have no car, my family's far away, my friends are far away, I guess I'm stuck here in this hotel. And and Aiden looks at me and he said, Dad, we're going to get bed bugs for sure before we ever sat down. It was just, it, it was an awful experience. And, and then the next day, they come and send people. We had a 24-foot truck. They send people to help us take the stuff out of one truck, put it in the other. They weren't very good. They sent uh, three supervisors, if you know what I'm talking about. You know what supervisors are? They're the people who sit over there and commentate on it while the rest of us have to work, right? And so they send supervisors. It takes us about 10 hours with Dax on the side of the road at three years old. Aiden's trying to watch him. Cars going by, zoom, 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 uh, doing all this stuff. And at the end, about half to three quarters of my stuff was sitting on the ground because the guys wouldn't listen to me about how to pack it. And, and one of the guys had the audacity to look at me and say, you know why that stuff doesn't fit in the truck? It's clear. You don't have a big enough truck. And I'm thinking, that's a 24-foot truck that we just pulled out of, and that's a 24-foot. I don't know. I don't even want to go there. And so my frustration level is rising. We finally go. Um, we stay at an embassy suites that night, which was not planned, and I didn't even have the money for it, but I said, boys, we're going to rest. Well, I woke up the next day to Dax having diarrhea in the truck on the way, and explosive kind, you know what I'm saying? And, and I thought, there was a point in my mind where I thought to myself, God, this is your sign. This is your sign. I'm turning around. The, if you wanted me to do this, it would be a little easier than this, right? And, and here, here's what I'm I'm here to tell you, I think there are too many Christians warring with God at the indirect route that he's allowed you to walk instead of forging forward with godly character and becoming the person that God has asked you to become. And there's too many people that want to turn around and go the other way. And that is not who God has called you to be. It's not who God has called us to be. And here's why. Here's why I know that's true. Because some of us are saying, but, but it hurts so bad. 
I, I have so much stuff. I have so much baggage. I don't know if I can move forward and honor God with my life. Here's a great truth. Write it down at your next blank. There is healing for your hurt. There is healing for your hurt. Every pain that is in your life, God has an answer for. And, and if you think about it, if you think about it in these terms, the nation of Israel is walking up to this, this pool of water. They're thirsty, and they, they need to lap it up, and it's bitter. They didn't see an answer. They didn't see an answer for the bitterness that was in their life. But there was one guy who did, and it was the guy that, that knew God's character well enough to stand with confidence and say, wait a second, everybody, wait a second. I know we can't drink it right now, but there has to be an answer here. There has to be something that God wants to show us. And he looks, and what does he find? What does the scripture say he found? A piece of wood. I'm looking at Moses, if I'm in Israel, and I'm going, you're gonna throw that wood in the water and it's gonna make it better? Right, sure. Let's see what happens. Old Mo chunks the wood into the water and says, hey everybody, go ahead and put your hands back in it and take a drink. And next thing you know, it's sweet. It's sweet. And why could, did, did Moses take his next step? Why did he move the nation forward? Because he chose one, the better part of two choices in this life. He chose to find the cure instead of to complain. You have a choice to complain about what your life is like and how, how bad it is and what's not happening, or you have the choice to stand and look for God's cure in your life and to embrace it and then to trust him. You see, uh, many people won't take their next steps because they say, well, I'm, that's for super spiritual people, but I have a challenge for you. It's a challenging statement. Actually, I had somebody come up, come up to me after first say, service and say, I never thought about it in these terms. Everyone is a leader. Every last person in here is a leader. And you're saying, who, me? No, no, not me. I, I don't know. I, I don't have that kind of personality. I'm kind of shy. I'm, I'm a background person. I'm not a leader. Yeah, well, yes, you are. You see, you're either a complainer leading people away from the Lord or you're someone who is bringing someone to the cure of the cross in this life. And you are leading them one of two directions by everything you do, by every last way you live your life. You are leading people to either have joy in the Lord and to trust him and wait for his healing power in their life to cure sin, or you're someone who's keeping their eyes on everything that is worthy of complaining about. We move forward in our walk with Jesus when we can trust that there truly is healing in our hurt. There is healing through the cross. The power of the cross is incredible. And that's what Jesus applied to our life. When our life was bitter, he made it sweet. He made it pure. He made it right with him. And that's praiseworthy, isn't it? That is praiseworthy. That's something to get excited about. But here's the last principle we learn in taking our next steps, and then we'll really bring it down and uh, help you apply it. Oh, before we do that, let's read. I want, you, I want you to see this. Much like the wood was confusing to Israel, the cross is confusing to this world. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But those... But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. 
You see, the same cross that was applied to your life for salvation is good to see you move forward in Jesus Christ and to keep walking the route that God has given you. Here's your last principle. There is confidence to continue. There is confidence to continue in your walk with Jesus. There is confidence to obey. I love this verse. Everybody look back at verse 26. Here's what was said. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I love this. They see the wood. The water turns pure. They drink. They, they were thirsty and now they're satisfied. Now would have been a good time to say, well, we have just enough water to head back to Egypt. But that's not the command that was given. And many people try to look, I think, too deep at this passage and say, well, if they do this, God wouldn't revisit all the diseases of Israel. But maybe if, if they didn't do it, he would, he would just, you know, flick it down on them and they would get sick. I don't think that's the challenge God was giving to Israel. You know what I think it meant in one simple phrase? He was saying, don't go back to Egypt. Remember, they're only three days away, right, from this miracle. He was saying, don't go back. Have confidence from what God has done in your life already to keep moving forward. Don't go back to your foul mouth. Don't run back to pornography. Don't run back to affair. Don't run back to, to a life that doesn't care about the worship of God on your weekends on Sunday. You know what? If you're away uh, on a vacation, find a church and worship God because you're not going to go back to the life you had before you knew Christ. You're going to keep moving forward. You know what? Don't go back to being a disengaging person at your house when you walk in the door and, and standing in isolation. Don't go back. That is what why, why we say never stop taking your next steps and following Jesus because it's funny. The second that we stop taking our steps, we tend to think about how to go back to Florida instead of go to Montana and start a church, right? That's what happens. You tend to want to go back to your addiction instead of being a person who influences people toward the cross that can cure their bitterness, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7 has something to say about this. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I want to help you unpack this for just a second. If everyone would, take out your next step card. Take out your next step card. In just a second, I want to challenge you with this, with the back. I believe that God saves people to do a radical work of transformation in their life. God didn't save you to leave you where you were. God didn't save you to ride an emotional high, to 
pass through the sea when God parts the sea and then to stand there and be done. God saved you for something way better than that. But you have to keep moving. You have to keep following Jesus. And we have next steps all over the place. We have it on our website. We got a a big giant display out there that screams, take your next steps. We are a card. We even call it the next steps card. But if we don't apply it to our life, we stop at the bitter waters of our life and we complain instead of looking for the cure and trusting Jesus with our very next steps in this life. I want you to read these next steps aloud with me from the card. Ready? Let's read them aloud. One, two, three, go. Number one, meet Jesus. Number two, get baptized. Number three, read my Bible. Number four, join a group. Say it a little stronger with me. Number five, start serving. Number six, ownership class. Number seven, care and prayer. Number eight, mission. Number nine. Now, you know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to look at these for those of us who have come to faith in Christ. And we go, well, yeah, I met Jesus, check. I was baptized, check. Yeah, you know what? I don't read it as often as I like, but I read my Bible, check. Yeah, I I did a small group once, check. Start serving, hey, I'm on the schedule once a month, check. Ownership class, yeah, I've identified with elevation, yeah, check. Uh, Care and prayer, yeah, I need that, check. (laughs) Missions, well, it's a little bit tough, but but I'm not that one day, missions, check. Finances, and I I tip God, but I'm not going to trust him with everything, but I'll tip him. Hey, I'm done. I have no more steps, right? No more. That's what we like to do. I'm done. Check the box. Next church, please, right? That's where it comes. But here's what God is asking us to do. Here's the attitude of people who never stop taking their next steps. They look at something like this and they say, meet Jesus. Yeah, he's my Lord and Savior. I've come to saving faith, but I have to be honest. I'm not nearly as passionate about him as I used to be. In fact, my life has gotten less passionate for God since that mountaintop experience, not more. And boy, I need to take a step there. Or, hey, I was baptized. I was baptized, but you know what? It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and me, but my life does not look like it's been raised to life in Jesus at all. In fact, I look like my religion is dead and dormant and my faith is dead and dormant and I need to give a fresh picture of how I live my life that I serve a risen Savior. Read my Bible. Instead of saying, check, I did it, what about, hey, I need to study it more. I'm even going to spend some of my own money to find out more about the truth of Scripture and to get to know the Scripture at such a deep level that I will know God by experience and when trouble comes, I'll know His Word and know how to stand on it. Or what about instead of joining a group, you look at it and you say, man, what if God's calling me to lead a group and to get my life right so I can lead others to the cure? Or start serving instead of Hey, being on a schedule once a month, we take a step to say, my entire life is wrapped around seeing people come to hear the gospel, 
believe in Christ, and then be discipled. And so I will give however much time it takes. Some folks need to identify with elevation and say, this is it. I'm digging in for better or for worse, and we're going we're gonna to do this thing. Some people need to get to the part where instead of care and prayer, saying, yeah, I need it, to say, hey, I trust the Lord enough to care for other people and to pray for other people. Instead of sharing my prayer requests all the time, I'm going to ask the question, how can I pray for who? You, right? You see, you see the idea here. And, and we're taking our next steps in following Jesus. And as we take our next steps of obedience, much like the waters of Mara, the bitter waters of Mara, God will come and he will take care of your areas as you press forward in him. Do you hear what I'm saying? 